Easter Sunday is the day that we remember Jesus rose from the dead. And I just wonder, does that make any difference to your life? The truth is, for many people, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is this sort of this thing to be thought about, maybe even believed, but not an experience, not a lived reality. Many people would say they believe Jesus rose from the dead, but on a day-to-day basis, it wouldn't actually change anything about the vast majority of their working, eating, speaking, thinking life. Uh, Is there something that we could do that would make the resurrection of Jesus a lived reality, would truly change us? This stuff, when it was first talked about, was talked about as good news, stuff that makes life better. What could there be that we could do with the resurrection of Jesus that would actually see goodness and draw goodness into our lives? Well, let's look at a guy called Eutychus, uh, because I think he illustrates for us what it is that we do at our end. Uh, to see the, the goodness and the beauty and the power and the life of the resurrection invade us and change us. This is from Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, we, this is Luke writing about something he was present at, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps probably oil lamps, which not only would give light, but also would give off a lot of heat. As Paul spoke on and on, this is Luke kind of teasing his mate, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he is alive. They all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well and everyone was greatly relieved. Let's just think about Eutychus. Now, Eutychus grew up in a place called Troas. Troas is in Turkey on the coast of uh, the uh, Peloponnese, just there, the Uh, The Hellespont is the sea between it. So Greece is here, Turkey's there. And if you were to go further around, you'd get to where in the days of Troas, or at least just before it, uh, was the great and the mighty Persian Empire. And Xerxes, King Xerxes, travelled across and would have built his pontoon of ships really close to Troas. So Eutychus, growing up, would almost certainly have heard stories of what it is to live a good life and would have heard stories of Alexander the Macedonian, Alexander the Great, a man who was so strong and so courageous and so powerful that at the age of 28, he'd swept through all of Macedonia, renaming many places, including Troas. The full name of Troas was Alexandrian Troas. He'd renamed the place in his own honour. And it swept through in it. And you know the story. It says that Alexander sat on a horse, looked out over all that he conquered. And he wept because there were no more lands for him to conquer. And Alexander the Great is a, it's probably a voice or at least a heroic person would be put up before Eutychus to tell him, 
To do well in life, you need to be strong. You need to be great. That wouldn't be the only voice, I suspect, in the ear of Eutychus as he grew up, this young man. He almost certainly would also have heard of Aristotle. Aristotle, potentially the greatest philosopher who ever lived. About 300 years, maybe 400 years before uh, Eutychus, just over the sea there. Uh, He would have grown up in Greece uh, and just declared incredible truths, incredible things about the world, about how to view the world, about virtue, about philosophy. Uh, And Eutychus almost certainly would have heard the voice of Aristotle saying, to be great in life, you need to be smart. You need to be smart. And so Eutychus, if he's anything like us, would have grown up with this sense of pressure upon him to to be someone, to to have a meaningful life, Eutychus. You need to be really strong, just pursue strength, or you need to be really smart, and maybe both. And and this sense of pressure on him, it's hard to be really strong. We still talk about Alexander the Great because he really was so exceptional. We still talk about Aristotle because he was exceptional. And Eutychus, if he was smart and if he really thought about these things, he'd have realised that actually at the same time as being told you must be really strong, you might reflect and think, well, actually, is it sometimes if you become really strong, you actually use your strength for things that aren't good. And even the story of Alexander the Great, you know, one of the strongest men ever, it's, it's thought that he was killed, murdered by many around him aged 31 because he just misused his strength. He'd brought so much trouble and calamity and even death to so many people. So you should be strong, but you mustn't let the strength you gain or the power you gain be used for ill end. And then you must be smart, but looking back on Aristotle, as smart as he was, and he was phenomenally smart, he had a couple of things that he said, which using his intelligence for things that ended up not being good, You see, Aristotle said that there was just a way of things, that the world was ordered in a certain way. And and one of the ways that the world was ordered meant that it would be totally inappropriate if a woman ever did anything other than serve a man. That was the place of women in, in creation, in his understanding, that they must just serve their husbands. And he also understood that there's certain races and certain races, it was just given that they should be subservient slaves, in fact, of his own race. And so even this man who so smart could still twist and turn his intelligence towards really teaching things that for centuries after him through his influence just became so oppressive, misogynistic, racist uh, towards many people on the earth. So Eutychus is living with this pressure on all sides. I should be strong, but I can't misuse that strength. I should be smart, but I've got to use my smartness to only be kind and not make mistakes. And even in the midst of this, he's described as a young man. And in the Greek, the word young man is also the similar, very, very, very much the same word to be used for slave. So Eutychus almost certainly grew up as, as, a, as a man who had a master over him and who said to him, really, I don't care about you being strong. I don't care about you being smart. Just shut up and do what I tell you. So Eutychus grows up probably maybe working as a kitchen hand in the house of a great Roman villa from dawn till dusk. He, he has no time of his own, no decisions to make for himself. He just must do whatever his master says. Perhaps after, as, as dusk comes around, he'd have a bit of time 
where he could go and do what he wants. And so Eutychus, had, he also speaks to us, I think, of that sense of as we look out on the world, we feel like there's something wrong here. This feels like there's a power that holds me and us in slavery. I don't get to choose to do my own things. It's a challenging thing to grow up as somebody like Eutychus. But Eutychus hears a rumour. He hears a rumour that there's a, a, an, a, another person who's come and invaded Troas. And this man was greater, stronger even than Alexander the Great. He performed mighty miracles that caused people and crowds not just to wonder at him because of fear, but wonder at him because of the greatness of things. He did things impossible to do. Lame people walked, sick people were made well, lepers were made clean. And he heard about this man who seemed to embody an intelligence, a smartness, a wisdom that was beyond even anything Aristotle had. His teachings were so simple, even a child could understand them. And it's so profound that the greatest minds of the day would discuss them and think of them forever. And it wasn't just theory. It wasn't just esoteric ideas, but lived, taught truths. And he heard not only was this a man, uh, somebody who did this great strength and had this great intelligence and smartness, but he also was somebody who came for slaves, for those who were enslaved. He spoke of slavery to powers, and he, he came to set people free. So Eutychus' ears almost certainly would have pricked up. As maybe another slave invited him, hey, come, come at night. On this Sunday night, after we finish work in the kitchens, let's walk through the streets of Troas, the cobbled streets, and go up the stairs into this block of flats where the poorest people would live. And they go into this flat. The poorest would live in these little flats right at the very top of these blocks. No running water. You can think what it'd be like. And he sat there listening to this bald man with the crooked nose called Paul. Paul the Apostle, who's speaking about this Jesus the one who performed mighty signs and wonders, the one who spoke such wisdom and truth, the one who even died for slaves to set them free. And as Eutychus is listening to this, something very strange happens. He he gets drowsy, it says, and he falls and dies. As he hears the gospel of Jesus, he dies. His life comes to an end. And Paul, it says, walks down the steps, takes Eutychus in his arms, and he says, don't be afraid. There is life in him. And maybe he breathes on him, or maybe just those words itself, but there's something at the, the reanimation of Eutychus. He doesn't just come back to life, though. He now is a new man. He's no longer just the one who feels the pressure of having to be strong. He's not the one who feels pressure of having to be smart. He's not the one who feels like I'm just a slave. He's the one who's been risen from the dead by Jesus Christ. And Eutychus becomes for us a perfect example of what the gospel of Jesus, what the resurrection of Jesus wants to bring to you. Because the Jesus' resurrection doesn't come to you and say, hey, you need to be a better person. It doesn't say, hey, you need to start behaving in a wiser way. It doesn't say, hey, here's some instructions or some guidance, some principles to improve or try harder. It's not trying to get you to change anything. Actually, what, what the resurrection of Jesus approaches you and says, what the real thing that needs to happen for you to free you from this slavery, to release you from this pressure, is to die. That's the only way out death. 
up as one who's died on your behalf. The one Jesus Christ offers to say, why don't the death that you need become my death? Unite yourself with my death. And as you do that, because I've risen from the grave, you then can live a new life. You can have this resurrection come into you. Now, you don't need to fall out of a window and smash your head on some cobbles. No, what you do is you come in prayer before Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to unite myself in your death. I want this person who I was defined by pressures and voices speaking over me by slavery to powers I can't defeat. I want that person to die. And I want your resurrection power to say, do not be afraid. There is a life in him. I want you to speak over me, Jesus, and define my identity out of your resurrection. And the way that happens is the spirit of God will come and he'll stand over you and live in you. And he becomes the animating presence for this new life that you can live. And again, that happens not by a person necessarily taking you in their arms and speaking over you, but in prayer and through the scriptures, through you having Jesus take him, take you in his arms and speak over you. Do not be afraid. You hear the voice of Alexander the Great. You must be strong. If you want a good life, you must be strong. Do not be afraid. There's life in you. I've put it there. There's life in you. You hear the voice of Aristotle. You must be smart. You need to be smart. If you want a life that means anything, you need to prove how smart you are. Jesus stands over you, holding you in his arms. Do not be afraid. There is life in you. My life is in you. And so you can be somebody who is the weakest of the weak. And when you're weak, this Jesus who holds you, his power is made perfect. You can be somebody who is unschooled and ordinary. And yet when Jesus holds you, you become somebody who can turn the world upside down and astound even the most educated of listeners. You can be somebody who's enslaved and lives in slavery and yet you go back to your slave master, the person who orders you around what to do and say, I don't do this anymore because I have to, but because I choose to. In love, I choose to honour you as my master and to do things and live a life of love, turning the other cheek, because Jesus has already shown me that he's loved me forever. He's already shown me that nothing can separate me from all that he's given me. And you can live a life where the resurrection power, the power that is better than death, better than stronger and can remove all fear, that power is in you all the time in every situation. So it's my prayer that Easter Sunday's message of the resurrection isn't just a piece of information. And it certainly isn't an instruction to add to all the other instructions that you feel you need to follow to have a good life. It's my prayer that the message of the resurrected Jesus puts you to death, that you have a dying moment where you just everything ends and you say, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I die before you. Would you take me in your arms? Would you speak over me? Do not be afraid. There is life in me. And then would you breathe life into me? Let me walk hand in hand out of that life that you put in me. Not a life I have to make for myself, 
Not a life I have to achieve for myself, but the life you've given me as a gift. Would you let me live that life? And you don't just do that once, but that becomes the daily habit of any true disciple of Jesus. Anybody who truly carries the resurrection power again and and again and again. You get up in the morning and you say, God, would you hold me in your arms? Would you help me not be afraid? And would you say there's life for me and help me live out the life you've already put in me? That's my prayer for you as we go ahead out of Easter Sunday and into the rest of the year.